Welcome to Basic Snitches. Hi. I'm Adam. I'm Tara. Today, we are discussing... Chapter 6. Of Harry Potter and... The Deathly Hallows. I was about to say The Half-Blood Prince. It took me that entire <laughs> fucking book to remember the name of the book. And now that we're not in that book, all I'm going to say is The Half-Blood Now you're going to have to remember this book. Yes. The Deathly Hallows. And the Chapter 6 name is... The, the Ghoul, Duel the ghoul in, in pajamas. pajamas. I forgot what the name of the chapter was, too, so I was trying to read Tara's lips and failed. Well, I'm not good at that, so... What, reading lips? Yeah. She's just good at doing other things with lips. Huh. This week's Patreon exclusive takes us on a voyage of sorts. You'll get it when you go and listen to it. That is if you are one of our patrons. If you're not one of our patrons, how dare you go to patreon.com slash basic niches and just subscribe for only five bucks a month. Or you can always subscribe at $10 a month at our Quen tier where you get a whole bunch of new content. We just released our August fishbowl. Uh, I'm editing this on August 21st, even though you're not listening to this in August. Ultimately, there's just a ton of additional content that you can get to get your basic snitches fix. Plus, in every single one of our episodes, we acknowledge all of our patrons, and all of our wonderful patrons are Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Mary Beth, Megan, Olivia, Jen, Nisi, and Nicole. Who okay. won and lost? Chapter 5. I need to remember what happened. Oh, this was them all coming back to the borough. Yes. Do you have guesses? Well, Moody died. So I assume that he lost. And even though I was, like, very concerned for Molly throughout the entire chapter, I'm going to say Molly won because even though one of them got their ear blown off, her whole family got home safe. And so... They did all get home safe. I realized that the winner and loser for last chapter, because that was such a complicated chapter, could go in so many different directions. So I doubt I'm correct. <laughs> it's very specific win. The win is Ron. Okay. So I'm giving Ron the win for a couple of reasons. One, he clearly was fucking badass with Tonks on their way there. But two, he kind of just lets Hermione like dunk on him and he's still just like, okay, you know, whatever. But also like his brother was attacked and he handles it pretty well. But really I wanted to give him the win because Ron's gonna have some pig L's in this book. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do actually agree. I think even through reading these two chapters, uh today we're recording both chapter six and seven. And I remember thinking, like, good on you, Ron, for a lot of it. And you're, you're totally right. I think that's a very thoughtful win because I do not remember at all him some of these like when Hermione was dunking on him and stuff I don't remember that at all this chapter was hard to choose like a winner everyone except for Moody survived yeah it was a fraught chapter it too. was a fraught chapter but the loser is Mundungus Fletcher oh duh I should have known that <laughs> I mean I was close I here's guess, the thing but... is that I almost give the loss to Harry because he goes through all this and then he's like bye he really struggles and I was like well Tara you don't need to give him the loss plus Mundungus is here right. so then I was like never mind never <laughs> mind not the best chapter for Harry but no not Mundungus not a great chapter for him but yeah if Mundungus is here he's probably gonna lose yeah kind of like how Vernon always loses so I mean hey Vernon could have lost the chapter for all we know too right he always loses <laughs> <laughs> Vernon always loses I need to open my email because you sent me a thing. I did. I sent a thing to Tara. I woke up today and I was very focused on things in preparation for our recording. He was. Which is good because both of us have had crazy lives. 
<laughs> had crazy yes, lives. Our lives are crazy for years. Yes, um, 100%. So we were a little bit behind on Patreon content and we're at least caught up the next month at the very least. Because <laughs> after all, like, now that our season is actually happening, I can't constantly only rely on Hogwarts Legacy contents. That would be unfair and probably not very interesting. <laughs> so here we are, friends. A thing. Chapter six. The ghoul in pajamas. In the wake of the death of Moody, Molly has the trio doing tons of chores in preparation for Bill and Fleur's wedding. In part because it must be very stressful, and also in part because she wants to know what the trio are up to. She is trying to keep them apart so that they can't plan. In fact, Molly sort of aggressively tries to mom it out of Harry, but Harry stays as secure as a seal trap. Meanwhile, we learn that while the Order has made some provisions to increase security, such as moving HQ out of Grimmauld Place and making sure that there are many different security charms on the borough, we learn that the Ministry has not changed a thing. It doesn't say it in the text, but we know that Bill Nye the Science Guy has locked himself into his office in hopes that Voldy will just go away. Luckily, because Molly apparently doesn't make lists, the trio do find a moment of idleness to do some planning and discussion. A chapter I think we've all been waiting for. They briefly discuss the possibility of Moody being alive, which shows they've still got some hope despite everything. Harry tries again unsuccessfully to suggest that he should go Horcrux hunting alone, but Hermione and Ron squash that by demonstrating an immense level of resourcefulness. From Hermione charming her parents to change their names and move to Australia, and determining which books to take with them, Runes is a yes, Cream Puff Strivel is an immediate no, to Ron's utilizing the ghoul that lives in the attic to be disguised as himself with Spattergroit. They've thought about protecting their families and creating alibis, and in Hermione's case, Asioing Horcrux books out of Dumble's office after he died. After all, he won't need them anymore. We learn a little more about Horcruxes, for example, how to destroy them, how the owner can heal themselves, and the very key notion that a Horcrux is the opposite of the human, which I'm sure won't show up later in the book at all. We also learn that Harry is drawn to Godric's Hollow by his intuition, feeling that there must be something key there. Unfortunately, their planning is temporarily paused by an arrival of a harried Mrs. Weasley, and then, dun-dun-dun, the French. Ah! No, French! <laughs> Hermione's favorite! <laughs> Hedwig's like, uh, Oh my god, yeah, Hedwig comes back! Hedwig's like, hi, Oh bitches. my god, it's canon. Hedwig is sitting on that little Hedwig is BFFs with, yeah, she loves Fleur's dad. They yeah, be 100%. 100%. That is the most canon croissants. thing we've ever said. Yes, he has tiny little croissants and he just keeps feeding Hedwig them. Hedwig and Fleur's dad, BFFs. Oh my god, I ship it. I ship it so hard. <laughs> oh my god. He, Hedwig's also like, I'm going back with them. Yeah, sorry because... Harry, you've got to find yourself another bird. <laughs> Listen, who are you trying to send letters to right now? Uh-uh, it's too dangerous. Yeah. I, I gotta just go back to France. That's right, just use wizard texting. Wizard texting. Which we actually see in the next chapter. We do see it's wizard texting in the next chapter. So when Tara arrived at my house, I said, I really like these chapters because we get a little bit of a rest after the very fraught past two chapters that we've yeah. done. Very emotional. And I think we pick up a lot of pieces of like, hey, this is where we're going with the book. Leading into the Horcrux hunting. Mm -hmm. But also, 
a little bit of like what has happened since the last time and whatnot. But we'll yeah. get into all of that. We'll get there. I am going to start out though by saying, even though in the last chapter I really, really cared about Molly's well-being and her nervousness and mm-hmm. stuff, not a great chapter for Molly, in my opinion. Like I can't fault her. I think that's going to be a big theme for me. Is like. I understand why you're doing this, and you're, like, really rubbing the mom juice. The mom juice. (laughs) The words were coming out of my mouth. I'm so, like, she was rubbing the mom juice all over you. No. (laughs) You know what I mean. She was turning up the mom frequency. (laughs) Yeah. There we go. That's better. Sure. (laughs) I don't blame her. That's who Molly is. But it's a little bit of, oh, you're barely an adult, but he's an adult. Yeah. But your children are are adults, Molly. You need to remember this. We see something happen in the next chapter that does not sit right with me. It concerns to one of our other sons, if you know Uh, what I mean. Yep. I mean, I've had this done with my parents. I'm sure that you've had this done. Like, you need to let me do my own thing. Especially now, when I'm Mm -hmm. swiftly approaching 40. Come on. I got it. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's quite a bit different for you and I, who are basically 37 and 39, in comparison to somebody who just turned 17, I get it, but... Yeah, but I was living on my own less than a year after I turned 18. Yeah, like, after I graduated college, it took me finding a job. I bought a car, I moved out in, like, a week. And let's be honest here, in many cases, Harry is often the most grown-up person in the room, even when he was in book three or four, you know? like Well, because of, like, how much he had to grow up so young... Clearly he was cooking breakfast for the fucking Dursleys when he was younger than 11 when he was cooking it for Dudley's birthday. I know I was not able to cook eggs and bacon when I was 11. Right? I may have been then, but not much longer before that. One of the things that Molly says when she's trying to get the information out of him is like, Basically insinuating that you don't know what it's like to be an adult. And it's like, that's, there's a little bit beyond this kind of stuff, Molly, that's, that That's you a tough know. thing to say to a kid like Harry. Yeah. You know? I mean, I get that kind of stuff from my parents all the time. And it's like, I've been an adult for most of my life now. Back the fuck off. Just remember I've that been an adult next... for longer than I've not been an adult yeah. at this point. Which yeah. Which is terrifying. Which is very wild, yeah. I hate that. Remember that, mom and dad, the next time you need, you know, something technological to be fixed. Mm-hmm. If you're an adult, figure it out, honey. Figure it out. You're the adult, remember? I'm not an adult. I'm not mature yeah. enough. Yeah, so it's a rough one. Honestly, I think it's where the roughness ends. And if that is the amount of like difficulty that we have in this chapter, I'm kind of okay with it. Like you were saying before, this is a nice chapter where we see that... So when people are just like, oh, how fantastic that you know they're just fine when they leave. Well, we see Hermione doing the planning in this. Yes. You see her doing work in this chapter and the next chapter to prepare for everything. And you, obviously you see in this chapter, like, the work that Hermione and Ron have done prior to this yep. to protect their families. Exactly. Yeah, I'm um, glad you mentioned Ron, too, because... I Well, I mean, that's literally too. what this chapter is. Yeah. This is a classic chapter of their friendship being real and not being like, oh, we're, we're always here for you, Harry. Them challenging Harry in a productive way. Yes. Which is the best of them when they challenge harry in a non-productive way we get shit like what went down in the fifth and sixth books yes in this moment they are challenging harry in a way that really makes him step back too and they don't accuse him like they did in those books right you know i love how you said that this makes their friendship real because 
like you could interpret the way that you said that in a multitude of ways, mm-hmm. but it's beyond just a face value friendship. It's like here is us showing you that we are able to honestly get more prepared for this than you kind of right. even have. Well, and in contrast for Harry, Harry is not a planner. No one is expecting him to plan, but he's also the person who was like survived by the seat of his pants. Yeah. And so when Harry is like, I'm going to do this for myself, it's not Harry not giving Hermione and Ron the credit they deserve. It's Harry still honestly hoping to avoid people putting themselves in danger. Harry's not unaware of the fact that he literally needs to rely on Hermione to do things smartly. He's not going to disrespect Hermione in that regard. He's literally like, I would rather just go out here and like get fucking killed on my own than bring my friends who I care about. Harry is kind of nearsighted in that way, but that's who he is. Yes. The other nice thing about this is that when he brings this up again, rather than them being like, no, you dummy, we're coming with you. Hermione is like, well, I've already like completely changed the trajectory of my parents' lives. I've done all this other stuff, yada, yada, yada. Ron starts getting into it. And then Harry kind of is like, oh shit, they've done the work. I Mm -hmm. can shut up. Yeah. But also like to Harry's defense too. Unfortunately, beyond, like, the people who are there at the borough, he doesn't have parents to, like, protect when he's gone. Like, there's nobody left. Well, and that's what Harry's thinking. It's like, if I just kind of go, okay, like, that's what he did in the last chapter. He's like, I gotta go. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) You know, like, that's always Harry. But yeah, he just wants to be expedient about it. He's like, okay, well, as quickly as possible, I'd like to just not worry about this. So it just comes down to very, very, very different personalities. And Harry uh, probably struggling with the level of how much he actually deserves their support. It's not like Harry has like gone through this whole thing being like, that's right, everyone should believe me and stand behind me. Outside of the point of like, well, I'm right, not I'm this like godlike figure, you know? Right, right. You know, (laughs) I have comments to say about the movie when we get there. So before we do get into this lovely conversation with the three of them, just a little bit more on Molly too. One other thing, and actually the way that she opens this up is like, so why have you abandoned your education? That kind of thing. And it's like, Molly, let's stop pretending that Hogwarts was safe to begin with. Right. Also, like, why would you think it's safe for Hermione to go back there? She's muggle-born. Well, yeah, Hermione in particular, because, I mean, that wasn't even something I thought about, but it's right there. Come on, read the room here, Molly. Things are really, really changing. It's not going to be the same kind of thing. And then even, like, with these chores, like, truly, this is not her trying to be malicious either. There's no ill intent. She's trying to do what is right here, but it's like eventually this is going to happen whether you like it or not. They are going to have to leave and go on this big adventure and encounter a lot of dangerous things. They need to have some time to like figure this all out. Regardless, just the nature of Harry alone. Like Harry's already trying to leave without any planning and stuff. Right. If they had no time to get together and and chat and then they left, that would be completely irresponsible. That would not be so, a good thing. Yeah. So I Again, thank God for Hermione. Yeah. So once they do finally get together, it was something along the lines of Harry was going to go feed the chickens and Arthur was like, no, nah, don't worry about it. The motorbike. Is... He's like hiding the motorbike. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else with that that comes up? No. Or... no. <laughs> it's just like, I don't want Molly to know. That this yeah. It's just me. like a reminder that Arthur really likes muggles. That he's a dad. <laughs> He's, he's also a dad. A dad. <laughs> he's a dad. 
it was something else with Hermione's chore was also already done, so... Oh, yeah, that she was, like, she forgot that she told us to change the sheets yesterday. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and, and I just, I can feel you being, like, do we not make a fucking checklist? Come on, man. Like, I know that we're using a lot of magic in this house, but you can also use a quill. You know Hermione would have a checklist. Mm-hmm. Hermione has a checklist anyway. I feel like as she said that to Hermione, Hermione's like, okay, sure. I already did that. Well, and with some of this <laughs> stuff, we're getting into, like, guys, you have magic. So one thing that they immediately start talking about is the explanation of Grimmauld Place no longer being... This may have even happened before they got together, but how the borough is now the de facto kind of, like, HQ because of Grimmauld Place. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that they had that in there. There's a little bit about, like, how things still haven't changed. Like, Scrimmager is just sitting in his office and the daily prophet isn't announcing things even though we have this turnover it's not fudge packer anymore the ministry still really isn't doing what they should be doing at this point like we're at a five alarm situation and then somewhere in the middle of this ron says merlin saggy left dot 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 and i was like hell yeah ron he was about to make a titty joke he was and then really goes into the first thing of like well we were talking about maybe mad eye actually survived well, first... Yeah, yeah, there's probably some other details that's that I okay. When Harry and Ginny are together. After she corners Harry and she's like, is this your sock? P.S. Why the fuck aren't you going back to school? And then it like explains that Mrs. Weasley kept them all apart. And Ginny is the one that says to him, I think Mom thinks if she can stop the three of you getting together and planning, oh, she'll delay yeah. you leaving. And Harry was like, and then what does she think is going to happen? Someone else will kill off Voldemort? And he hadn't meant to say it, and Ginny's like, oh, that's what you're doing. He's like, oh, no, mm-hmm, no. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, Ginny is onto you, boy. Yeah, I guess that's true. That is, like... It's with, it's their first time together. Well, and it's a transition into what the foundation of the chapter and, is, yeah. but it's important Because then that's dinner where they talk about how the Fidelia's charm is much less strong on Grimmauld Place, and it's that dinner where, like, Kingsley and Bill and everyone is there. So that was just like the little section that I wanted to make sure we talked about. I think that it's important because in the next chapter, how Ron is like in Harry's space about leading Ginny on. I was like, Harry and Ginny have been together alone already in this book. And here it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and so then I'm sure I brought that up. Of course it happens again in the next chapter, which we'll talk about then. <laughs> That's another thing, I guess, like when Molly's trying to get it out of him. And even when he says it to Ginny. I guess it wouldn't necessarily be, like, top of mind. I guess we also forget that, like, even though the trio in particular are going on all these adventures, and sometimes, yes, Ginny and Neville and Luna are there too, they don't have necessarily the big picture of, like, Harry has gone through this and defeated Voldemort so many times. Like, naturally, the next stop at where we are right now is that Harry has to go and defeat Voldemort. Yes, there's details behind that that not everybody needs to know or will ever know, probably. But there is that kind of perspective. I mean, at the same time, like, if they're in the Order and they have seen, like, the things that have gone on here... Like, there has to be some knowledge that Harry is capable and he's done all this stuff. Right, like, what do they think Harry's going to do when he turns 17? Go back to Hogwarts and live his life? Dumbledore is dead. Mad-Eye Moody is dead. The Ministry is corrupt as fuck. Because, like, I don't have an answer to that either. What else would he do? He's obviously, this is what he's going to... So, yeah, and that's when they start talking about, oh, maybe Mad-Eye Moody is alive. Kind of a sad moment because Hermione and Harry are like, well, this happened and this happened. And Ron's like, well, if you want him to be dead... Like, he's clearly just trying to hold on to something. 
no one wants him to be dead. He's just, But you it's know. realistic. I mean, yeah. like, he fell thousands and thousands of feet. Exactly. So, what are you going to do? Like I said in my thing, I think there's a couple of things that come up there. It could very well be some guilt in mm-hmm. there with that, but I kind of see it more as hope. Ron and Hermione, particularly Ron, they come from stable backgrounds. Even though, in the fifth book, they went to the Ministry of Magic and... Ron and Hermione did not come out too well from that. You know, they were hurt. They were attacked. Hermione was hurt bad enough that Harry wasn't sure that she was alive. They have been through it. But think about what Harry has been through. He's almost always in that negative space anyway. So, like, Mm -hmm. Ron still has some of that kind of innocence to him. Yeah. And remember, Harry had that shattered... In the fifth book, when he went to Nearly Headless Nick and was like, maybe Sirius came back as a ghost. And I think that that was the thing. Two books ago, Harry would have thought the same thing, I think, as Ron. He would have been like, maybe he's still alive. Maybe, yeah. That's maybe. A, actually, that's a really good But, callback. like, seeing how that was tattered, you know, and then watching Dumbledore die, watching Dumbledore literally be tormented through you know, Margarita Gate in the fucking cave. Then that flight from Little Whinging to Tonk's parents' house, he thought he lost Hagrid for a minute. There's Death Eaters throwing killing curses at them. Mm-hmm. Hedwig dies for a second, but then she goes to France, but he doesn't know that yet. Harry really has to be a realist, you know? And yeah. Hermione is a realist. Hermione is a realist, yeah. I guess that's probably true. And so, like, I really appreciate that Ron's just like, maybe, why wouldn't he, you know, it's not that they don't want that. It's just Ron is the least of a realist out of them. Yeah. It'll be interesting to kind of follow that, perhaps, through this, because, like you said, there are some not great moments for Ron in this book, but... <laughs> But, speaking of that, this is then when we immediately launch into some of the details about how, because this is where Harry is like, it's just going to be me going off and doing this. And they're like, a bitch, please. I mean, we already kind of touched on it, but Hermione's parents have new names and their biggest dream is to move to Australia, which they've already done. That sounds fucking great. I'd like to move to Australia. Yeah. I mean, I touched on, like, the books that she occupied from Dumbledore's office. Mm-hmm. She's sorting through other things and really considering, like, what is going to be beneficial with them. Truly the callback to the defensive theory book. And she just um, doesn't even look at it and throws it right in the trash. Part of me is like, why do you even still have the book to begin with? But it is what it is. She's, She's a book lover. She's like, yeah, she loves I her books. I completely understand that. A lot of that is like, oh, cool. Like, she's already well prepared, which we've come to expect from Hermione. But then when Ron starts going on about the freaking ghoul, which we've known that they've had, and utilizing that and the yeah. resourcefulness. I just love how Hermione is like, Ron, show him what you did. And he's like, nah, you just ate. <laughs> it's so good. And the so fact Ron. that even, like, Arthur helped with this. And I, I oh, yeah. think it is so, so fucking cool. It's another callback to Spadagoit, which you had brought up in the fifth book i think when they go to st mungo's yeah ron is not an idiot it's very frustrating and i and we've talked a lot about how we like stan ron this is just little things that remind us that ron is so team harry he is so determined to be there for harry to to be that like best friend figure like we've talked before about like which Weasleys are the strongest, bravest, best, whatever. This is a reminder that Ron 
is fucking badass. Yeah. Yeah. Mom and Dad Weasley and Ginny are fucking amazing. The twins are fucking great. Like, look at what they come up with. Ron is the one. The very first book, he was like, I'm willing to sacrifice myself because I know that Harry is the person that has to go forward. It's so interesting to think of that back then to this now where Harry is. And I mean, we've talked so much about how this is just how Harry thinks. It's gotta be just me. It's gotta be just me. But it's like, look around you and look at all these people who are more than willing to be there by your side and the strength in numbers that are there and things like that. Yes, obviously to Hermione too and yes we always see Hermione being pretty well prepared but I think both of them is just so so cool in this moment to think of how like you see that they're fully in for it like Mm -hmm. they are ready to to go and do whatever they need to do I think it's really really cool one of the next things that they talk about is the whole thing with Godric's Hollow, obviously. Mm-hmm. I said in my thing that it was, like, his intuition almost, that he's being, like, drawn there. I almost wonder if it has something to do with the fact that he himself is a Horcrux as well. And, like, he perhaps is being drawn there, obviously, because... I mean, the the, the book actually says That's it where well. he became a Horcrux. That's where he... Be- that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Not only that's where he became a human... When <laughs> Lily popped him out, or I don't know, maybe they cut her out. I don't know how he was born. I wasn't there. <laughs> you weren't? No, Harry's I, older than me, I obviously. thought you were the... Yeah, but in a previous life, I thought you were the The midwife. wizard midwife? Yeah. Yep. That happened and we died, because you were born then, what? <laughs> Four years later? Yeah. That's canon, guys. <laughs> Tara was actually in the series, but she was never mentioned. <laughs> As the wizard midwife that delivered Harry Potter. (laughs) But yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Is that like he is somehow attracted back there because that is where he became a horcrux. I mean, there's a lot to, obviously. Godric's Hollow, like that's where he was. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's where his parents died. That's where they're buried. That's where they're buried. He doesn't realize it now, but like maybe it's when he reads Rita's book or maybe it was in like the second chapter that he realizes that's home of Godric Gryffindor. Yeah. I can't remember where he learns that, but I'm like, how do you not think yeah, of Godric's yeah. Hollow is Because Godric is like a super common name. Apparently. Maybe it is for wizards. I mean, I don't know. His name was Harry Potter, so. Pretty basic. <laughs> he is the most basic name in the entire Right? Movie. Like, I feel like James and Lily were like, yeah, we're just going to give him a basic ass name because like our friends are named Remus and Sirius. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like, once we get to that point where they go to Godric's Hollow, because obviously like it feels like very much like a pit stop Mm -hmm. and that's where we meet Mathilda Vadshot of course or as Peggy called her the horrible woman is that what what was it that she said I forget now very specifically (laughs) like hey when you do season seven bring me back so we can see the horrible woman to who were you referring to that could be so many different things we'll have to listen back to that episode yeah It very much does feel like a pit stop. And what is the plot device that has brought us back here almost, you know? I mean, there's definitely something very, like, innocent and pure and understandable, though, about Harry just wanting to go back to Godric's Hollow. Even if you're just going to go to, that's where his parents died. That's where he lived the tiniest bit of his happy life before everything went to shit, you know? So it's important. Harry does like to put a lot of trust in his feelings about things, and he's like... You know how it says he thought Godric's Hollow held answers for him. Kind of, but not anything terribly helpful yet. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, 
Uh, who knows? Yeah. When we reread it, maybe we'll find something. And then this is where, of course, we dig a little bit more into Horcruxes and stuff. And Hermione's like, yeah, I stole this book about Horcruxes. Now, <laughs> the name of this book mm-hmm. is... Did I write it down? Secrets of the Dark Art. Yeah, Secrets of the Darkest Arts. Is it just me, or is that the book that yells at him in the restricted section in the first movie slash book? It could be. I feel like there's something that ties that because the name of that book in particular pops up in my mind. In fact, you can see that book in Hogwarts Legacy. There's a scene when you have to go into the restricted section, and then online there was a bunch of discourse about how like that was the book that screamed at him in the first movie. That would be interesting. That was like a little tie back here. It's the same sort of thing of like when he goes and hides the Half-Blood Prince book and the diadem is right there almost. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but something that popped out to me. And this is on Reddit, so. Necronomicon. Is what? The name of the book? Or the name of the person who posted it? The name of the book? Maybe not then. It's neither here nor there. Yeah, but that would have been cool. I think it's an interesting callback. For sure. We just I mean, like to pretend that that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's something that we know at least was in the restricted section. So that is, of course, the one book where we learn things like how it needs to be destroyed beyond repair, that it can't magically repair itself. There's a lot of things that are talked about about the diary, like mm-hmm. when we destroyed the diary and it used the basilisk thing, and then lovely Ron with his sassy, like, oh, I'm glad that we have so many of those just lying around then. That was kind of fun. We also get into how it's literally the opposite of a person. And the conversation between Ron and Hermione here is kind of interesting to me because Hermione is like, if we were to like run a sword through you, Ron, your soul would be safe. And he's like... <laughs> Which would be a real comfort to me, yes. I'm sure. And does Hermione say something like, well, it should be. Yeah, like, she says it should be on. actually. But my point is that whatever happens to your body... Your soul will survive untouched. Which I love that. That that yeah. is kind of in there. But the other way around with the four crooks, the fragment of soul inside it depends on its container, its enchanted body for survival. Mm-hmm. It can't exist without it. Yeah, and that soul can sometimes leave its container, like possessing Ginny and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Plus what Harry says, the book sort of died when I stabbed it. Yeah. We do a lot of real great discussing that helps us kind of prepare for what we see later in this book. Yes. Honestly, it answers a lot of questions that I think the reader probably has. So I love it. I, I think this conversation is super, super great. At one point, she says something about, I don't think that he would be mad if I stole these books or whatever. Yeah. Like, well, no shit. I mean, they are library books after <laughs> all. She says something similar so to Dumble that. stole them himself. Yeah. From the library. Yeah, Dumble's the thief, not me. And then, then Mrs. Weasley's like, Party's over, bitches. Yeah, she kind of comes in, and the way I see it, it's that cartoony thing of when she opens the door and she just slams it open. (laughs) Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, her hair is kind of frizzled and stuff, and she's like, I thought you said you were to help me. And then, you know, fire comes out of her eyes. (laughs) Mrs. Weasley, whose hair was disheveled and whose face was contorted with rage, I'm so sorry to break up this cozy little gathering, she said, her voice trembling. I'm sure you all need your rest, but... There are wedding presents stacked in my room, and then you're sorting, and I was under the impression you had agreed to help. Okay. Hermione is fucking terrified. <laughs> Good on you, Molly, for finally finding something that they can do other than giving them chores that are already done. They're already so, done. There is that. She's frazzled. There's something to be said, too, about... I mean, we've talked about this on this podcast. This is a weird little excuse, but it's okay to take rests here and then. In fact, yeah. Molly, it sounds like you could maybe take a rest. Yeah. And then the French arrive. 
Then the French people. And I was it. shocked to find out that at this moment, Gabrielle is only 11. So when she was underneath that water. Well, she was a little baby. She yeah, was like eight. Seven yes. Or eight. That is crazy. And so I'm assuming that obviously she wasn't going to Bobaton at that point. Madame and Monsieur Delacour were just like, <laughs> yeah, you can go visit another country, another school with your big sister, even though you're not a student at right? school yet. That really shocked me, that Gabrielle was only 11. I, I don't know that I thought she was much older than that, but I thought she was older than that, yeah. too. And then the other thing that is happening right now is they're talking about like how they're running out of room in the burrow and stuff. <laughs> you're not wizards. That is exactly what I was going to say. Why? Once again, why don't you put up one of those tents that you had at the Quidditch World Cup? Like, put a few of those in the yard. Right. Like, make people stay in those, or, like, the family can stay in those if you want your guests to be in the house. We know you have the technology here, and we know that there are things that could help you out in this situation. There are a lot of very skilled wizards here. Maybe Mr. Weasley isn't good at extension charms, but, like, Hermione sure is. Yeah, Hermione, you can't do a little magic in your future-in-law's house. Yep, exactly. The way that we end this chapter is the opposite of how we start it with Mrs. Weasley. Because then she kind of, like, takes her mind away from the wedding and stuff. Yeah. And she focuses it back on Harry and is like, so what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for dinner? Blah, blah, blah. And Harry's just like, oh, nothing too special as Harry would. And they're like, turning 17 is a big deal. And so the fact that Molly did end up kind of taking herself back from all the stress... I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah, again, can't, like, can't be mad it's at so Molly. much. It's so much. It's kind of like bittersweet at the end. He says, please don't go through loads of trouble. And she said, not at all. It's no trouble. She looked at him, a long, searching look, then smiled a little sadly, straightened up, and walked away. Harry watched as she waved her wand near the washing line, and the damp clothes rose into the air. Suddenly, he felt a great wave of remorse for the inconvenience and pain he was giving her. Oh, my God, Harry. Harry! Stop it. She is going to do it. She's like, she loves you. And then Janine comes out of the corner and slaps. <laughs> She's like, and now we make out. <laughs> <laughs> That's not until the next chapter. Yeah. <laughs> you want to play a game? Sure. Okay, I, good. I, you, yeah. You're the one who came up with the game. I was like, wait, hold on. I played, you came up with the game. I did not have a game for next yep, episode. I did so. not come up with the game for this Okay, chapter. good. So okay. I hope you're ready to play a game. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're ready to play a game. We are playing a two-part game. Okay. What is it? This is why I brought my computer, because I can't find shit on my phone. Dun, da, 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 Uh-oh, Tara's da, becoming old. <laughs> <laughs> While you're doing that, I'm going to go put chapstick on really quick. Oh, okay. My lips are about to fall off my fucking face. Okay, well, Which, I hope that Which, as we've all discussed happen. already, Tara loves lips, and I don't want my lips falling off my face. <laughs> the fuck? When are we drinking wine? Oh, yes. <laughs> Your cat just like pulled himself out of that little tiny hole. Yeah. Oh. Shall we do a white? No, no wine for you, Bentley. You got a straw. That should be enough. Whatever sounds you good. Know to what? You know what? In yeah. celebration of the French in this book right now, yeah. we're gonna drink this very gay bottle. <laughs> Organic Saint Soufre. Okay. Van de France. And it's a twist top. <laughs> Ooh, love a twist top. Classy shit. There we go. Did you find the game? Or are you still thinking about it? Oh, no, I have it? it. I have Here it. Here you go. I'm going to bring the bottle, too. What's the game? What's the game? Uh, okay. The game is... Yes? It's a quiz. <laughs> I 
Uh, <laughs> as I was doing my game, it's well. I the first about, half is a quiz. It's a very short quiz. It's a one question quiz. One question. And then the second half is fuck Mary Hill. Okay. Good. For some reason, I was like, uh-oh, we have the same game, which we still have not done, ladies and gentlemen, is pick the same game. But I, I was get... thinking about making mine a quiz, because I haven't done one in a long time. Are you all out of coasters? I was going to grab this one. <laughs> I was like, I've got lots of coasters. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> Sorry. Oh <my> <laughs> I just make sound. Oh, no! <laughs> Fuck it. Okay, that's going on well, the floor. Especially when you throw my coasters <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> all right, what's the quiz? Okay, the one question on the quiz. Name five of the 11 books that make an appearance in this chapter. Secret of the Darkest Arts. Mm -hmm. Magical Theory Bullshit. (laughs) Defensive Magical Theory? Yeah. Okay. Runes and shit. That's not what it's called. Yes, it is. No, it's not. You know what I'm talking about. I totally, that counts. (laughs) The Runes book. Mm -hmm. Beetle and Bard. Just kidding, this next Mm -hmm. (laughs) chapter. A cookbook. There's a, is there a cookbook? There is not. Are these all books that Hermione has? All of them are in Ron's room in that moment. Are you fucking kidding me? Eleven? Eleven. Whoa, I can't believe it's that many. Ron's diary. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a hint. Can I have a hint, please? Um, written by uh, one of our least favorite Ravenclaws. Oh, um... Me and mermaids, or whatever the fuck. Vampires and vaginas. <laughs> Werewolves and wanking. Mummies and... A book that that Hagrid gave them. Hagrid's diary. A monster book of monsters. There you that go. Acts, okay, I do remember that. It bit around an ankle. Mm. So that's four out of five so far. Yep, and I'll just give you this. No, I need to win the five dollars by myself. (laughs) I don't have five dollars. What? Why am I doing this then? (laughs) I don't know. Why are you doing this? Please give me a hand. I really want to (laughs) win. What is Hermione's old standby? Are we playing Jeopardy? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Hermione's standby? She's a book bitch. She's money. Hogwarts a history. There you go. Oh my god. She's like, is this going to be beneficial? I'm going to bring it anyways. I'm like, no girl. So let me tell you the 11 books. Travels with Trolls. Okay. Oh, is that the one with dick shit? Another one. Dick shit. Another one by by dick shit, a.k.a. Lockshart. Break with a banshee. (laughs) Nope, his name is dick shit now. Oh, it's the banshee one. Yeah. Defensive magical theory, which you got. Rise and fall of the dark arts. Numerology and Grammatica. Yeah, that's I said that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Secrets of the Darkest Start. Okay. Which you got. Yeah. Quidditch teams of Britain and Ireland. Okay. I knew there had to be one of those in there if it's wrong. Spellman Syllabary is the one that you got. Oh, that's the one I said. Yeah, yeah. that's the one I said. So I The Monster got... Book of Monsters and Hogwarts of History. And an appraisal of magical education in Europe. Boring. Right. <laughs> there are literally 11 books in this chapter. That is... Unbelievable. I can't believe that it was 11, but... So while we're on those books, uh-huh. Fuck, Mary Kill, books Hermione organizes that were assigned by shitty Defense Against the Dark Earth Okay, professors. love it. Travels with Trolls, Defensive Magical Theory, and Break with a Banshee. Well, obvious. So Break with a Banshee and Travels with Trolls are both Lockshard books, yes. right? So I can't kill all these books. I'm obviously killing Defensive Magical Theory. <laughs> 
So it's trolls and it's banshees. Uh What are the verbs again? Travels with trolls and break with a banshee. Okay, I'm going to marry travels with trolls because they love to travel. (laughs) And I've traveled with a troll before. Unfortunately, they can't see me gesturing towards Tara, but Tara sure did out of the corner of her eye. She was not looking at me. I was like, but then she pursed her lips so hard that I thought Natalie Zenshek was going to pop out of them and say, Potter. <laughs> and then I'm going to fuck the Banshee one, I guess. <laughs> what about you? I'm going to kill defensive magical theory, and I'm going to, I think I'm going to fuck travel with trolls and. And Mary break with a banshee. Oh, you want to fuck um, a troll? Um, I want to fuck traveling. That sounds fucking great. Yes, traveling is due. I have two more fuck Mary kills. Okay, great. <laughs> you did a lot. I did. did okay. Uh oh. Oh. You called me a troll, and now you put my feet are disgusting. <laughs> I should not be rubbing them on. You. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that right now. Yeah, if you ever want to get a pedicure, <laughs> let me know. Fuck Mary kill. Okay. This one is Ways the Trio Prepares for Year 7. Hermione modifying parents' memories. Okay. Ron having his family transfigure the ghoul to look like him. And Harry cluelessly being unable to do magic yet legally. Oh my gosh. Well, unfortunately. I'm going to kill Hermione modifying your parents' memories. Because that was probably awful for her to do. Mm -hmm. Awful, like, personally. You know, she did the right thing. But as much as Harry cluelessly (laughs) doing magic... I'm gonna fuck it, because at the same time, you know he was like, fuck yes, and then he, <laughs> like, just, just like, white well, with his arm around Right, him. like, the next chapter, we're basically just gonna make fun of him for that shit. Who's not gonna do that, like, when they turn 17? Right? Like, of course, that's what, so I'm gonna fuck it. And I'm fucking marrying Ron and his resourcefulness with the ghoul, like, go you fucking Ron, and Arthur and Fred and George. That's great. That was actually my answer, too. Very I good. I love it. My reasoning for fucking Harry being cluelessly unable to do magic yet legally. It was like, yeah, that's very relatable. I fucks with that. Not me. Every time I do magic, it's perfect. Well, that tracks. The last one, pre-wedding tasks. Okay. Your categories are really nice. This is shit that you would do, so I was inspired by you. Oh, thank you. Thank You're you. You're welcome. It's the last time I compliment you this oh. episode. <laughs> this month. Uh, this month. You used them all. <laughs> Cleaning Rod's bedroom. Cleaning out the chicken coop. Do you know me in the garden? Okay. The one that I feel like I have to kill the most is cleaning Ron's bedroom. Like, who the fuck cares, Molly? It's his bedroom. It's right. his space. <clears throat> I'm going to actually marry Do You Know Me in the Garden. Because I think that's the one that people are going to notice the most. Mm-hmm. Right? And by default, I think I have to... F- I was going to say fuck the chickens. Sure. I'm gonna def- I'm, I'll fuck the chickens. I was going to fuck cleaning up the chicken coop because the bike is in there and that sounds fun. I'm and you can just like the bike. look at the bike with fond memories. Yeah, and I was actually going to kill Dunomi in the garden because that sounded like a lot of fucking work. It does sound like a lot of work, but I think useful. Yeah, you definitely took a different like track of yeah. how to think about it because I was like, mm, do I want to do this? No, like I definitely don't want to Dunomi in the garden, but I absolutely would marry cleaning Rod's bedroom because I would do what Ron's doing and fucking take a nap. Or I feel like with Ron's because like I don't have this problem because I mean, look at my house. I feel like cleaning around his bedroom would be like finding things that you thought you had lost and stuff. That's and true. You get like sidetracked and then it never gets cleaned. That's what it's like cleaning my house. So yeah. Let's talk about the movie. Weird scene. Weird scene where Harry's like, I'm going to sneak I'm gonna, out. I'm going to sneak out. And then Ron's like, the Ron's fuck are like, you doing? Yeah, got you. I knew you'd do this. I waited all night in the middle of this cornfield. 
This cornfield that magically regrew after it was burned down in the last movie. Right. It's just, it's just a weird scene. And that's like their way of telling Harry, you know, that they're ready to be with him to go on, on this journey. I don't like the scene. One, it's very awkward. Two, it makes everyone look weird. Like yeah. it makes Harry look awful. Harry telling them his intention is to go alone is different than Harry sneaking off. Yes. I don't think Harry would sneak off. I think Harry would be like, this is my intention. Also, this scene in the book is so rich. And, like, even if you cut out some of the other details, which we technically already saw what she did to her parent. If you cut out the stuff about the ghoul, even if, like, I think it was in the last book, there's that scene of them in what I assume is Ron's bedroom with the floating piece of, the like, uh, the floating burning... Newspaper. What's it called? Daily Prophet. The Daily Prophet, yeah. Even if it was something like that, would be the same sort of transition, you know? And also just the separation of the three of them. That moment in the book is the three of them. It's not Ron going, you can't fucking leave, bitch. That too. Like, it's just, I don't like that at all. And technically at that point, he still has the trace on him. Yeah, like, they've already had this conversation, one. And two, like, I just, I don't love the scene. I agree. Rupert Grant looks really hot in the scene. Oh, he looks I good in that like notice. tight black T-shirt. He looks good, but I was Ooh. like, "It's nice." He That's looks not good. what she says when I look right in the tight black T-shirt. She's like, "Those are some things <laughs> that rival my own." Okay, don't get ahead of yourself, me. Anyways, negative points in the movie. Yeah. And speaking of, <laughs> I'm actually not taking any points away this chapter. Wow. I was going to take points away from Molly at mm-hmm. first because she's a little bit cray cray. Yeah. But at the end when she was like, what you want for your birthday? I was like, forgiven. Mm-hmm. So right. it's like classic, I was going to take him away, but nothing. So zero points to Molly. And otherwise, very, very simple. Plus 20 to Ron and Hermione. I think that they show that they're yes. true, real friends, that they are have been thinking about this. Very, very adult of them. And I'm plus into Arthur because he helped Ron. With the ghoul He did. Idea. The whole thing of like, hey, don't go in there. I still have the motorbike. Arthur's still being his authentic self and everything. I, I, I know. That's it. I, I love it. Per- I love it. I really love this chapter. So just a few points. And yeah, I liked the chapter. I just didn't like it in the book. The movie. <laughs> you know what I meant. Next time we will be reading chapter seven. Which is called The Will of The Will of Albus Dumbledore. Elvis. I almost called him Alvis. Alvis Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. Speaking of the French, in France, Voldemort's name is Elvis. This is true. I'm trying to come up with some way to end this that involves Elvis. (laughs) Uh, I guess we'll love ya tender next time. (laughs) This is not an Elvis podcast. Mm. Okay. Very yeah, well. We, I... What was that? Was that your that goodbye? Was, that was my. That was I... my goodbye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. 
We out.